Let's pray together. Father in heaven, indeed we're grateful today that you have created a day, blessed and sanctified it as a day not for our own pleasure, not that it's not pleasurable, but to delight ourselves in the Lord, to raise our affection from things on earth to things above. So help us to that end, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, good morning, everyone. You know, over the past couple weeks, actually, past couple months, I've been reading the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I really like the book of Ezekiel now that I've been reading it. And there's a chapter in the book of Ezekiel that... I was going to talk about last week, but I lost all my notes, <laughs> and I never recovered them. But um, I made some more notes here <clears throat> for today, and let's look then at the Sabbath chapter in Ezekiel, which is... Ezekiel chapter 20. Turn with me on your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 20. And we're, we're on a series, a mini-series on the Sabbath. Because in Matthew 24, when it speaks of the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. We study that there were four different abominations of desolation in the book of Daniel. And that we're living in the last abomination of desolation. And every abomination of desolation is generally a church and state union that causes abominations with the ultimate abomination being Sabbath desecration that leads to desolation. And so we're living in that last abomination of desolation of spoken in Matthew 24 and elucidated in Daniel 11, 40. And onward. So Ezekiel now is different than Daniel. He's a contemporary prophet. But the interesting thing about Ezekiel is that he does everything Daniel does for pagans for the church. So Ezekiel is a book that's specifically meant for Israel or the Israel of God, which would be the church. Um, according to the Apostle Paul. So the Israel of God, the things that Ezekiel is trying to do and reach his people are the same things that need to happen for God's people, the same message. It's kind of like the bookend, uh, or it's like the, the mirror image of Daniel. Uh, one, one example, and then we'll get into our message. You know, Daniel does a test for 10 days to show the adequacy of God's diet, and, and not only that, he doesn't want to worship food that's been offered to idols, <laughs> right? And Ezekiel does the same thing for God's people. He lays in front of them, and he, he eats Ezekiel 4-9 bread right in front of everybody. They need diet reform. So did the king. And there are a lot of parallels that I could go through, believe me. So I, I, won't, I won't do it. I'm disappointing myself not to do it. 
because I want to focus in here on the Sabbath. Now look at Ezekiel chapter 20, and our text today, verse 12. Hmm. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, between them and me, that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And then verse 20, hallow my Sabbaths. They will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. This text is teaching us that our very identity, knowing who we are, is tied up in the Sabbath. Now some people say, wait a minute, it says in verse 20, hallow my Sabbaths. How do we know it's the seventh day Sabbath that's being spoken of? Well, look in your Bibles at Exodus 31 and verse 13. Exodus 31 and verse 13. <clears throat> and there we find Genesis, Exodus 31, 13, that what's being stated in Ezekiel 20 and verse 20 is actually a direct quote from Exodus 31. My Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So this is a direct quote, and if there's any question, look down at verse 17 there in Exodus 31. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was nephash. Not nephesh, which is a soul, nephash, which means refreshed. But notice, it is directly tied to what commandment? The fourth commandment. So in other words, when it talks about hallow my Sabbaths, it's actually talking about the seventh day Sabbath. In fact, the phrase my Sabbath always refers to the seventh day in the Old Testament. Each time God speaks of my Sabbaths, he addresses the seventh day. Maybe look at one other one. Look in Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 19. Leviticus, chapter 19. And let's there, look there at verse 3. Let's start in verse 2. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my what? Sabbath, for I am the Lord your God. Can you notice there, everyone shall honor or revere his father and mother. What's that? What commandment is that? The fifth commandment, and keep my Sabbath, which is the fourth commandment. And verse 4, do not turn to idols. That's the first and second commandment. Or make molded God, gods or images. So in other words, in Leviticus 9.3, Sabbaths, plural, is talking about the Sabbath day and it's also talking about the fifth commandment. Then in Ezekiel itself, chapter 44, if you want to flip over there, I'm just trying to 
make sure you're clear that when it talks about Sabbaths, hallow my Sabbaths, it's talking about the seventh day. In Ezekiel 44, verse 24, it says, They shall keep my laws and my statutes and all my assemblies. That's what we normally would call the Sabbaths of Leviticus 23. And they shall hallow my Sabbaths. Can you see the difference? Assemblies and Sabbaths are identified as separate. Why list them as separate if they are the same? They're not the same. So the assemblies, that is those feast days, are different from the Sabbath, seventh day itself. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 23 itself, in verse 38, it says, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord. How many of you are following me? That the Sabbath day here is the seventh day. Okay, so, you know, for Adventists, you're listening and you're saying, you know, this is... um, Pretty basic stuff. I know this. <laughs> but now, hopefully, some fire will get into the seat of your pants at this particular point. So, what's our text again? Ezekiel 20, verse 20. Hallow my Sabbaths. They shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am Yahweh your Elohim. I am the Lord your God. Now, why is God saying this? We often just read these texts as proof texts to show us that the Sabbath is a sign and that whatnot, and usually our evangelists do not study the entire chapter. Um, but the chapter itself is saying why God is saying this. Look at Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 13. My Sabbaths, they, that is Israel, have greatly polluted or profaned. Ezekiel 20, verse 16. They have polluted my Sabbath, for their heart went after their idols. 20, 21. They polluted my Sabbath. Ezekiel 20, 24. They polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their father's idols. Ezekiel 22, couple chapters over, and verse 24. They have profaned my Sabbaths. And Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-six 26 makes it even worse. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. And they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. What? The chapter that says, Hallow my Sabbaths, for they will be a sign between me and you, that you know that I am your Lord, is in the context of God's people who are profaning the Sabbath. And they're not only profaning the Sabbath, not just the members, but the priests are profaning the Sabbath. What does the word profane mean? What does the name profane mean? Pro means before, like you're a professional, right? (laughs) You're better than everybody else, you're the top. Fanu means the sanctuary. You're putting something else before God's sanctuary, and his whole system, the sanctuary system, pointed towards the law of God, and in the heart of the law of God is the Sabbath day, a day of relationship. So when you profane the Sabbath, it means you put something 
in the Sabbath day or in place of the Sabbath day that is against the Sabbath day. Your own pleasure, your own business, your own ways. You're not thinking about God as the creator. You're thinking about what you want to do. You might work him in a little bit, but you're profaning the Sabbath day. And this is what Ezekiel is so upset about. As a result, God's people have an identity crisis. And they were, in fact, becoming so confused that notice what happens in Ezekiel 8, verse 16. They're so confused that what happens? He brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple between the porch and altar were five and twenty men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord, that's profaning it, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun towards the east. Now, this is the ultimate desecration of the Sabbath. Wouldn't you say that? And uh, not only were they polluting and profaning the Sabbath, they were, in fact, had gone so far as to worship the sun. The very thing, the very thing they had been called out of Egypt not to do. That's the very thing. And this identity crisis... And every identity crisis comes from a denial of the first five commandments of the Decalogue. If you're having an identity crisis today, it's because you're breaking one of the first five commandments. That's, that's what it comes from. Just to remind you of that, remember the, remember the commandments? I, the Lord thy God, brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first commandment, Lord your God, I'm identifying. How am I Sabbath that you may know that I am the Lord your God, right? First commandment is I redeemed you. I brought you out of Egypt, so don't have other gods. Second commandment, don't make images of them or keep their commandments. In Egypt, they not only had gods, but they had all kinds of commandments, If you looked at the temples in Egypt, there were over 2,000 gods, and they had libraries full. You can still go over and read the hieroglyphics or have someone read them for you. Since the discovery of the Rosetta Stone, you can read all the commandments. In fact, there were so many commandments that Pharaoh had to employ all kinds of people to keep those commandments for him. And he was the head god, Amon Re the sun god. Sunday was the center of Egyptian worship. And the commandments that dealt with Sunday were myriad. Third commandment, don't teach others. Vain commandments, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God, identity, Lord thy God in vain, in vain do they worship me, with their lips they honor me, but in vain they teach as doctrine the commandments of men. All of the commandments in Egypt were commandments of men pointing to Sunday worship, and that's why the Sabbath was such a day of identity. It meant, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? For in six days I made you. 
says the Genesis 20, I mean Exodus 20, and in Deuteronomy 5, for I brought you out with my right arm. So in other words, the Sabbath was the ultimate day of rejection of Egypt, rejection of Sunday worship, rejection of the commandments of men, And now, in the very nation of Israel, you have priests and others that are saying, we're going to worship the sun. And so Ezekiel is saying, wait, wait a minute, hallow my Sabbaths, that they would be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Now, this is the whole idea in Ezekiel chapter 20. And the, and, the, and, the, and the elders are coming to ask him questions. And he goes, should I even talk to you? You're worshiping the sun. Should I even be inquired of by you? I mean, it's basic. If you're not keeping the Sabbath, I can't even talk to you. Now, you want to know the purpose of parenting? Remember in, in, in Leviticus 19? It says, honor your father and your mother and then keep the Sabbath. The purpose of parenting is to pass on Sabbath keeping. Did you know that? After the first four commandments, then comes, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The context of that commandment is, you have those first four commandments. No other gods but me. No other commandments but mine. Because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, not Egypt's commandments. And you won't teach others Egypt's commandments. And you won't get involved in Sabbath breaking. You won't do that. In fact, you'll keep the Sabbath day and you will pass it on to your kids. How many say amen to that? That's the actual purpose of the fifth commandment, to pass it on. Now, what happens if you don't pass it on? What happens if someone loses their identity in God? Every one of the first five commandments has Lord thy God in it. The last five commandments don't have Lord God in any of them. His name is not mentioned in the last five commandments. He doesn't even want to associate with the last five commandments. But it's axiomatic. If you break one of the first five, you are going to be breaking one of the last five. And what is the last five? Oh, thank you, dear. My wife wants me to look good. Um, what is one of the... What, what, it's axiomatic. So what are the last five? If you lose your identity in God, you're going to kill. You're going to hurt. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not... The prophets of Baal would cut themselves. <laughs> they would hurt themselves. They would kill themselves or kill others. What's the next commandment? Sexual issues will come up. Thou shalt not commit adultery. If you lose your identity in God, you'll get involved in sexual confusion. Do we have death today in America because of confusion? Do we have abortion today because of confusion? Do we have killing today because of confusion? Do we have a health crisis because of confusion? Are people eating and drinking things that don't glorify God and so they don't live as long? Do we have a sexual problem today in America? Do we have homosexuality? 
Do we have lesbianism? Do we have same-sex marriage? These are all because people have lost their identity in God. So they try and come up with something else. What's the next one? Thou shalt not steal. When you're doing any of these things, you're stealing. When you break into the commandments, you're stealing from God in relationship with Him, or you're stealing someone else's relationship. Someone told me the other day, well, I still visit my, my, uh, I still visit my ex-boyfriend's parents, and, 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 and he still kisses me from time to time. And I said, should, should I do that? I said, what, what, what are you talking about, should you do that? Are you going to marry this guy? No, he doesn't want to marry me, but, you know, he... Well, why are you kissing the guy? I, I still love him. He doesn't love you to the level you need. And so he's stealing from your husband that you're going to marry. And then you're going to remember all that, and your marriage is going to be messed up. You're not going to be able to have the right identity with your spouse because... And the real issue is not that. The issue is you don't have an identity with God. How many are with me? And then if you steal, it says don't lie. And don't covet. In the New Testament, coveting is always tied to idolatry. Which is the second commandment. How many can see this? So the commandments then are all about identity in God. And the Sabbath is the ultimate day of identity. And this is why Ezekiel is saying, he's not talking to the pagans. He's talking to the church. And he says, hallow my Sabbaths. Will there be a sign? There'll be a sign between me and you. That you may know. In other words, you're going to lose your coconut if you don't keep the first five commandments. You're not going to know who you are. You're going to think you're a watermelon when you're a coconut. You will lose your idea. You're going to forget your PIN number. You're not going to be able to get the cash out. I lost my PIN number. I didn't lose it. I just haven't used a particular car for a long time. I actually had to go down to the bank and embarrassingly say, I don't remember my PIN number. Could you reset it? And this is what Ezekiel is saying. You need to reset your PIN number. (laughs) Now, by the way, when it says hallow my Sabbath. You know, what it, you know what it actually means? The word hallow? It means to zealously, with zealous fervor, keep the Sabbath. Zealous fervor. How many of you have ever heard of a zealot? What does that mean? Well, they're pretty intense about the Sabbath. They're pretty intense. That's a very intense person. Zealous. Fervent. If people... In your circle, were asked whether or not you're zealous for the Sabbath, would they say, yeah, they're very zealous for the Sabbath? Or would they say, I, I, I didn't even know I kept the Sabbath. I, I, I didn't hear about that. Are you zealous? Have you, have you seen people that are zealous for the Sabbath? They got like bumper stickers. Keep the seventh day. God made it. He never changed it. You know, they're actually talking about the Sabbath, and they're actually putting it out there. But more than that, they actually enter into it. Now look at this. Look at now, continue on. These same confused leaders. If you're not zealous for the Sabbath, notice what happens. Look at Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel 11, verse 1 and 2. 
Ezekiel 11, 1 and 2. Look at this. Please look at it. This is a message for you. If you're not looking at it, especially look it up. <laughs> if you don't think it's important enough to look up this text, why are you even here? So look it up. Ezekiel 11, verse 1 and 2. The 25 men are pictured there in Ezekiel 11, 1 and 2. What are they doing? These are the Sunday worshipers uh, being alluded to another time. I never saw this before. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward. And there at the door of the gate were the 25 men whom I had seen. And what were they doing? Verse 2. And he said, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel to this city. You show me someone who is breaking the Sabbath day or does not have a zealous fever for it, they're going to confuse the rest of people in your church. They're going to confuse the rest of people all around. They're going to lead people to identity crises. Because if you do not respect the Sabbath day, you're not going to respect anything. Because the Sabbath day is the ultimate day of identity. How many of you are with me on this? Well, somebody's saying, well, let's go out to eat on the Sabbath. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Let's go play sports on the Sabbath. Is that really going to allow you to have a fervent, a fervent focus on the Creator when you're kicking a soccer ball? Oh, yeah, remember He redeemed me. Oh, yeah, remember He created me. That one's for the Creator. This is not what you're thinking about when you play soccer. Oh, look at that move. No, this is not what you're thinking about. Your eye is on the ball, not on the Savior. I, am I, I don't know about you, but is, is it easy to think about God when you're swimming on the Sabbath? Oh, yes. Is that easy? Uh, now you're saying, man, he's, he's, he's going off the, he's going wacko. No, I'm preaching the text. It says, hallow, fervently, zealously. Now, you got to understand something. Jeremiah, or rather Ezekiel, is a man of timing. Every single chapter he writes, including Ezekiel 20, he like puts a time marker in it. Because he says, I want you guys to remember when this was. Look at Ezekiel 20, verse 1. It came to pass in the seventh year of the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders came to inquire of me. And the Lord says, I don't want to talk to you. These are probably the anti-Sabbatarians. I didn't want to talk to you. Hallow my Sabbaths. <laughs> That's all I want to say to you. But what day was that? What year was that? Actually, as I looked up the chronology, five years later to the day, Jeremiah records that Israel and Jerusalem was leveled by the Babylonians, Jeremiah 52, 12 through 34. This means that Ezekiel 20 was a chapter where God was giving his last warning to Israel. His last what? To who? Before they were taken captive, and their being taken captive had to do with desecration of what? Sabbath day. 
Their rejection of the Sabbath was seen by the prophet Ezekiel and by the prophet Jeremiah and by the prophet Isaiah and hinted at by Daniel, but he was, of course, witnessing to the pagans. That the rejection of the Sabbath was the rejection of God himself. How many of you are following what I'm saying? And how many of you understand why I'm saying what I'm saying? Because the Sabbath is the ultimate summary of the first three commandments, and it is the job description for the elders who act as parents in Israel. How many of you are following me? Now let me ask you this question. What about today? What about today? Does this text have any application today? Does this chapter? Have Christians at large rejected the Sabbath? Have they secularized the day? What about Seventh-day Adventists who since the 1800s have heralded the apocalyptic end-time importance of the Sabbath? Could Seventh-day Adventists, whose very name indicates a belief in the importance of the Sabbath in connection with the Second Coming, Seventh-day Advent, the coming of God, could Seventh-day Adventists, whose very name indicates a belief in the importance of the Sabbath and its sacredness, become lax in hallowing the Sabbath day? How many think that could be a possibility? Could Seventh-day Adventists literally not have zealous fever for the Sabbath day? Could that ever happen? Could we be in danger of losing our zeal for God, our identity in God? Could we be engaged in thoughts or activities that cause us to suffer an identity crisis? I don't know. Listen to the great controversy, page 608. As the storm approaches, a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition. What is the third angel's message? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus. They're so into Jesus that they identify with him so much that he comes into their life and the commandments are kept in the context of extreme pressure. Hupapomone is the word patience. And the commandment that's focused in the first angel's message is what? Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of living water. The one who redeemed you, the one who created you. And what does it say? As the storm approached. How many of you think that in your lifetime there has been a season where there have been so many things in society that look like a storm? How many of you have lived at any other time where there are more things than now? I'm asking you a question. How many of you have lived at a time where it was more intense than now? Raise your hand. I want to talk to you. 
I mean, my mother said that even World War II wasn't as intense. <laughs> I said, Mom, maybe you're losing the, losing the hippocampus. Maybe it's on vacation. No, she said, this is just amazing. And at this time, what do you think we should be doing with the Sabbath? Should we have more zealous fervor or less? And but it says here, as the storm approaches, a large class who have professed faith in that third angel's message, but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth. You know, I give them my Sabbath, they know me, and I'm the God who sanctifies them. Sanctification and the Sabbath go together. They abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition by uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit They have come to view matters in nearly the same light, and when the test is brought, they're prepared to choose the easy, popular side. Men of talent, pleasing address, who once rejoiced in the truth, employ their powers to deceive and mislead souls. Just like back in Ezekiel, those who were worshiping Sunday, those that were profaning the Sabbath, were actually giving advice. Oh, don't be a legalist. You're going to lose your children if you take a stand for the Sabbath. No, you're going to lose your children if you don't take a stand for the Sabbath. They're gone. You compromise on the Sabbath, your kids are gone. That's the purpose of parenting. How many are you following me? They come to view matters in the same light. And when the test is brought, they're prepared to choose the easy popular side. Men of talent and pleasing address who once rejoiced in the truth employ their powers to deceive and mislead souls. They become the most bitter enemies of their former brethren. When Sabbath keepers are brought before the courts to answer for their faith, these apostates are the most efficient agents of Satan to misrepresent and accuse them and by false reports and insinuations stir up the rulers against them. Now this happens in the church before it happens in the world. This happens in the church. Judgment begins at the church, right? It'll happen in the church before the world. It's happening even today. How many of you have ever had a discussion about what you should or shouldn't do on the Sabbath? Only to see the people that talk about it dismissed as freaks. Why are you even talking about it? You freak. Don't talk to me. As the Sabbath, Great Controversy 6.15 and 6.16, as the Sabbath has become the special point of controversy throughout Christendom and religious and secular authorities have combined to enforce the observance of Sunday, the persistent refusal of a small minority to yield to the popular man will make them objects of universal excretion. What does that mean? <laughs> disdain. It will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and a law of the state ought not to be tolerated. It is better for them to suffer than the whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. (laughs) 
The same argument many centuries ago was brought against Christ by the rulers of the people. It is expedient for us, said the wily Caiaphas, that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. This argument will appear conclusive. And a decree will finally be issued against those who hallow, 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 hallow. What's hallow mean? Zealously and fervently keep the Sabbath. It's not going to be against those who don't hallow. It's not going to be those who are shallow about the Sabbath. It's those that are deep into it. Issued against those who hallow the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment and giving the people liberty after a certain time to put them to death. Go ahead, loot their city, loot their home. Take. Did this ever happen to the Jews throughout history? Are there any precedents for turning against people that hallow the Sabbath? Were they made to wear stars? Were they killed? Were they incinerated? All the crusades, every single crusade, this was the church that thought to change times and laws, killed all the Sabbatarians. No matter if you were a Jew or a Seventh-day Adventist. Romanism in the old world and apostate Protestantism in the new will pursue a similar course to those who honor all the divine precepts. The people of God will then be plunged into scenes of affliction and distress described by the prophet as the time of what? Jacob's trouble. And that's what we studied last week. Do you remember the sermon last week? So the Sabbath will be the thing that actually brings about Jacob's trouble, as we mentioned in, in the 11 o'clock hour last week, directly tied. Thus, after the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling and of fear, and not of peace. All faces turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, even as the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, it's interesting that as... Ellen White quotes Jeremiah 35 through 7. She took out the birth pains. It'll be like birth pains. And last week, I forgot to mention this, I was talking to a friend in the break between the services. And they told me, they said, you know that actually when you're going through birth, uh, women, they don't, they kind of, they forget stuff. Their mind gets reorganized. And... As their mind is reorganized, it's being prepared to attach to the child that's about to be born. The time of trouble they go through, transition, etc., <laughs> is actually preparing them to make room for that new life and attach to them. How many of you ever watched a baby give, uh, 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 not a baby, a mother give birth? And they're like, they're screaming, they're yelling at you for getting them into this. And then they have the child. And they go, they forget the pain. And they say, I love you, honey. And you're like, what just happened here? And God wants to put people, he's going to put his people through that experience because he wants to know whether or not they really want to attach with him. How many of you are with me? How many of you following me? So, so 
Actually, the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of trouble is of necessity to see whether or not God's people truly hallow their relationship with God and are ready to attach, detach from everything in the world and attach with everything in heaven. How do I want to be ready to attach to everything in heaven? And the birth pains then are how you treat the Sabbath today. How do you go through the little time of trouble that your kids come to you? Dad, why can't we do this? Mom, why can't we do this? Little birth pain, little kind of Braxton Hicks. <laughs> it's nothing. Well, some of us, we thought we had ten kids when we had one Braxton Hicks. Hicks contraction. Well, we had a litter. Well, you didn't have anything. You hadn't seen nothing yet. All right. That was not in my notes, so I better stop talking about that. <laughs> but notice what it says. Testimonies of the Church, Volume 9, page 11. 911, nice. <laughs> Here it is. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. Let me ask you a question. Could you ever have imagined six months ago all the stuff that's happening now? You're sitting there in your little TP or wherever you live, and you're saying, oh yeah, I, I see a pandemic coming. Yep. That, there's going to be, yeah, football and then a pandemic. No. No one thought of that. The whole world focusing on wearing masks? How many of you saw that coming? More and more crazy things happening in the world? Now, why do I mention that? It's at this time that God's people are especially supposed to be doing what? What's Ezekiel saying? Hallow my Sabbaths. And they will be a sign. You will know that I am your Lord. There will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Lord your God. Where is that mentioned in the commandments? First five commandments, every one of them. In a time when there's death, when there's sexual confusion, where there's stealing, where there's lying, where there's idolatry of every single time, hallow my Sabbaths. Teach your kids to hallow my Sabbaths, or they'll be sucked away into depression and anxiety and self-harm and suicide and sexual identity issues that steal their joy. Hallow my Sabbaths. Protect your identity in the midst of the world's identity crisis. No other institution which was committed to the Jews tended so fully to distinguish them from surrounding nations as did the Sabbath. God designed that its observance should designate them as his worshipers 
It will be a token of their separation from idolatry, commandment 1 and 2 and 3, and their connection with the true God, fourth commandment. In order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy. Through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. What is that? Here is the patience of the saints. Here they keep the commandments, have the faith of Jesus. The faith of who? It's not your faith. Whose faith is it? And he gives it to you as a gift that then demonstrates itself in obedience to the faith. In the context of patient endurance, it's righteousness by faith. Blessed are they who die in the Lord. You're dead. The glory of man has been laid in the dust. It's not you keeping the Sabbath. It's God keeping the Sabbath through you. Though they must be partakers of the righteousness through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. And when the command was given to Israel, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Lord said also to them, You shall be holy men unto me. Exodus 22:31. Only thus could the Sabbath distinguish Israel as worshipers of God. How many believe that Ezekiel 20 has something to say to us today? The time is not far distant. When, like the early disciples, we shall be forced to seek refuge in desolate, solitary places. As the siege of Jerusalem by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to the Judean Christians, so the assumption of power on the part of our nation in a decree enforcing the papal Sabbath will be a warning to us. It will be time to leave the large cities, preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes and secluded places among the mountains. You think that could happen? You know how many people left New York last week? 13,000 apartments now open in New York. People leaving all the major cities. They're leaving. Those who can, it's only the ones who have money. And soon will come the time when you can't leave. If ever there was a time for the prophet Ezekiel to speak, it is today. And what does he say? What does God say? Hallow my Sabbaths. And they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am I am, only I am, the Lord, your God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this message in Ezekiel chapter 20. I never saw it before. It was a message actually to God's people who were not hallowing the Sabbath. May we today, in whatever we do, wherever we are, be clearly seen as Sabbath keepers, not Sabbath breakers. May we talk about the Sabbath. May we rejoice in the Creator. May we rejoice in the Redeemer. May everyone around us, especially within us, 
not be neglected by talking about other things, by doing other things. Help us to focus on the fact that you redeemed us, that you created us. As we look at your creation, as we talk about our present situation, may we today fervently, zealously keep the Sabbath, which keeps us in Christ's name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.